talking about video games. Yeah! Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Donkey Kong Artist Podcast. I am Patrick Shanley, gaming editor at THR, and joining me, as always, is my best friend and co-host, Edmund Arnold. Edmund. How are you doing? And I'm seriously asking, so tell me the truth. I'm doing I'm doing well, actually. I'm doing pretty well. I'm pretty That's stoked nice. on 30, man. Turning Ever since I turned 30, it's been like a whole new outlook on life, and I've been enjoying it. I didn't know what you meant at first, and then you meant the age. of The age. The age, no. Yeah, just that year of being alive. Yeah, you know? I'm just like, my 20s are over, and I'm in my 30s, and I feel good about everything. Like, yeah. I play video games all day, and I don't care. Like a total normal 30-year-old. Actually, Whatever. that is a normal 30-year-old. Normal 30-year-old. Yeah, 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 that's why they're not getting married. Or having sex, apparently. Video games, are, they're ruining society! Oh, God, all of them. Especially indie games. Yes. Speaking of indie games, uh, this week on the podcast we have a very special guest. It is a uh, uh, member of the um, Game Kitchen in Spain. His name is Enrique Colonet. He is the level designer. Talked all about the new game Blasphemous, which is a crazy, super awesome, gothic, pixel art-made game uh, that you can pick up right now. It is available right now. As you're listening to this, you can get this game and play it. Unless for some reason Eddie posted this a couple hours before the game. No, you can get it right now. It's available right now on all platforms, PS4, Nintendo Switch, Xbox. I don't know. I've just seen it. uh, Oh, Steam, PC. So Gotta recommend it on the Switch. It feels like a nice Switch title. Yeah, that's definitely a game I want to pick up on the go. Yeah, it is on Microsoft, Um, so I'm going to guess it's going to be on Xbox One. Um, So, yeah, uh, this game looks good. Very, like, eerie, gothic, kind of demonic in a way. Yeah, it's a lot like the old uh, Capcom games for the SNES, like Demon's Crest and uh, Super Ghouls and Goblins, and obviously, like, Castlevania, games like that. It's... It's yeah. super metal. It is the most metal game I've ever seen. So metal. Action platformer metal. That's its genre. Yeah. Metal. Metal. But yeah, it, uh, I saw the trailer for this game mm, about two months ago, and it kind of made me feel scared. I kind of hid in the <laughs> corner after seeing it. If you haven't seen the Blasphemous trailer, go check it out if you haven't picked it up already. But yeah, it is um, that game that just I, you can't really put a finger on it because the trailer is so open-ended, you know? Yeah. And it's covered in blood. There's a lot of blood. And babies, right? Yeah, babies. Bloody babies, but yeah, there's babies. Yeah. So, with blindfolds on them. So, <clears throat> Well, I mean, if you're going to have a bloody baby, you don't want them to see all the blood. Yeah, that, um, true. Use your true. brain, Edmund. That's you don't want to scare babies. No, babies scare easy. Yeah, especially from blood. They in this game. easy, too. <laughs> what the hell are we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> you really had to make me edit this. You really yeah. had to make me edit this. I don't okay. want to make it easy for you. All right, let's talk a little bit about uh, uh, indie games outside of Blasphemous, and uh, thanks to our guests for joining us. Um, it's been a good year for indie games, but that feels like the most bland, repetitive statement of all time. It's major deja vu, because every year, for the last, like, what, I don't know, since Super Meat Boy came out, has been a great year for indie games. That's like a decade ago. Every year has is stacked with indie games. There's yeah, like I, no end to indie games. I think it's just becoming, you just know that if you're going to have a slow year for AAA titles, there's going to probably be an abundance of indies for you to play. Mm-hmm. And if you just really like different types of experience, the indie crowd is the way to go right now. I mean, okay, so let's look as at... As always. As, as every year, always, forever. Yes. Uh, let's just look at this year right now. And this is not a comprehensive list, but just uh, just a couple of the great indie games that have come out this Standouts year. Standouts for me. We have Wargroove. Mm-hmm. 
We have Katana Zero. Mm-hmm. We have Baba Is You, the most ridiculous name of any game ever made. Great game, by the way. We have Ape Out, which is about apes escaping something, yes. I imagine. Yeah. Is it real? That's what the game is it's about? It's a Hotline Miami uh, style type game where you play a gorilla that's r- rampaging through like a science facility. Why have I not played this game? What it in the is world? It's one of those games that ev- everyone that I've seen has played it absolutely loves it, and I don't think anyone's played it. Man. Uh, we have my friend Pedro. Mm, my game. Uh, we have Cadence of Hyrule, which is the much shortened version of that game because it's super crazy long. And I don't feel like saying the whole title. We have Hypno Space Outlaw. We have River City Girls, which just came out like last oh, week. Oh yeah, River City Girls. I haven't that played game that. is sweet. I don't know. There's a lot of great stuff. All right, it's a lot of we're stacked with indies. Again, we're spoiled for choice. Oh, yeah, and then we have that Goose Game coming out. Is that next year or this year? Untitled Goose Game. Yeah. Who is my white whale? Apparently, I've been chasing those people forever. I just want to talk about that Goose Game. Yeah, the Goose Game. No one, no one gets to talk about the Goose Game. No, it's just too good. They're the rock stars of the indie game developing <laughs> community. Obviously, but yeah. And, what has stuck out for you this year in terms of indies? Because you're an indie gamer. You like I'm an indie, indie gamer, bruh. Yeah, I, I'm all about the indie mm. games. You ride fixie bikes. You drink specialty cocktails made with uh, homemade honey. I wear big glasses that aren't prescription because I'm <laughs> cool like that. You do do that, and you yeah. also have a big beard. So. Yeah, growing up dreadlocks as we speak. No, no, you're not. Are you no, serious? Not. Oh, I would, my God. Uh, no, I cannot pull that off. I, I can't imagine t- seeing you with dreadlocks. My head is too small. So, yeah, <laughs> uh, for me, it was definitely had to be Ape Out is one of my just standouts because it was I like love Hotline Miami, and Ape Out is frantic, frantic, frantic. I think I beat it in two hours or three hours. Wow. So Wait, how like, much did you pay for that? That's I think I paid... If it's over ten dollars, I feel like that's too much. It was over ten dollars. I believe it was twenty, maybe. Wow. Well, it's fifteen. 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 All right, acceptable because a movie costs about sixteen bucks. Yeah, fifteen. And I think I might be exaggerating. It might have been like four to five hours, maybe Maybe not. I have no idea. I just, just I just burned through that game. It was really fun. Devolver Digital Publishers. Uh, I don't know who was behind that actually. Looks like it was like a small team. Bennett Foddy, Matt Bosch, and Cabe Guzillo. Sorry if I butchered your names. Oh, you did, for sure. Yeah, and Baba's You, which is a fun little puzzle game that I can't explain because my brain is too small. Please try to explain Baba's You because what the hell is this game? Baba is You is a puzzle game that gives you words and different things that you have to make sentences with. Uh-huh. So you have... Uh, man, I can't explain it. Go, Just go watch. It's so hard to explain. So you can do like... <laughs> I just wanted to hear you try. You can go, Baba is float. And then that would make your character float over objects to get to a flag that you have to do. So or, it's a bit like uh, Scribblenauts in a way. Stop. What? Stop. What is wrong with Scribblenauts? It's not Scribblenauts. I love Scribblenauts and I love Baba is You, but they're, no, they're not like that at all. I think... Not, uh, that, was, that was a fair comparison. Uh... Baba is You gives you more examples to actually break the game, if that makes sense. Uh-huh. You're playing around with a lot of mechanics, whereas Knots was a game where you're just practicing vocabulary and kind of building a world and solving puzzles that way. So I I guess I can see your comparison, but it's, right, a, bad compar- it's a very bad comparison. But I, I retract my thank you, though. Yeah, well, take that thank you and put it somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> put it somewhere. Uh, one of my favorites this year was Wargroove. Um, hmm. uh, it's funny because I wasn't super stoked on Cadence of Hyrule, which has a lot of that similar... I didn't like it either. Yeah, me either. It has yeah. that RTS sort of like dancing, melodic thing to it. And Cadence of Hyrule had Zelda too. Like you would have thought of the two, I'd be more into Cadence I just, of Hyrule. I couldn't get... It made me think that I, couldn't have, I didn't have rhythm. 
because I like could not get that right. And I'm like, man, what what's going on? Can I not dance? Am I bad at dancing? Is this what's happening? It kind of sounds like this was a wake up call for you because maybe you're not that good at dancing. Uh, but I, I I think I have rhythm. <laughs> I'm I, not gonna. I, I'm not I thought gonna push I did. This because I thought I, feel I did. Like this is a touchy subject for you. Uh, but I saw you dance at my wedding, so yeah. So dance a lot at your wedding. <laughs> Wargroove is an awesome game, and it was one that I am not a super huge like. I guess it's an RTS. Like, how else would you describe these games? They're RTSs, correct? Yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, it was not something that I thought I'd be into because I'm not really into RTSs. But this game is no, like, not RTS. I'm sorry. It'd be like a turn-based tactics. I'm sorry. It's how not is RTS. That, it, Real How is that different? I'm on a grid. Strategy I'm on a grid. I'm moving in real time. I have to move along with the... I, I, but the other players are moving in real time with you, whereas turn base is everyone has a turn to go. You're going to get us blasted if we get on this, if you get on this rant. I'm going to stop you now. No, what save I your feel mentions. like is that gaming people are super level-headed and they'll totally understand if somebody made They're it the most level-headed people and if you ever have a conversation about a disagreement with a gamer, it's, you, it's just it's one of the most wonderful conversations you'll ever had. Yeah, it's just very respectful and... Good group of people. Here's where you were wrong. Let me explain very calmly. <laughs> Pet is a freaking idiot. Yeah, I, that's why I had to stop you there. I was like, no, don't get on this. Please stop. Please stop. Do not get pull me into this with you. Whatever. I was trying to compliment the game because I enjoyed playing it, and it's a good airplane game because it's very relaxing. Yeah, it is. I, I enjoyed Wargroove, but if you've enjoyed Wargroove, let me tell you about this game called Fire Emblem. No, I'm just kidding. But anyway, um, <laughs> it was it was good. I kind of bounced off Wargroove pretty early. I think I've been playing a lot of turn-based tactic games lately. Mm-hmm. Well, they're and- kind of a thing lately. Not RTSs. Those are definitely not a thing, apparently. Well, since we're on the topic of indies, there's also another turn-based game that came out this year that came came out around the same time as Mm -hmm. Wargroove, which was called Felseal. And I got really into that game, and I think that's what kind of killed Wargroove for me. Uh, and Felseal was on place. I played that on PlayStation, but I believe it's on. It's going to be released on Nintendo Switch pretty soon because everything's yeah. coming on Nintendo Switch. So well, yeah, I know. The, well, revert back to our last podcast where we talked all about how great Nintendo Switch is this console cycle. Um, <clears throat> with turn-based strategy games, I'm making sure I have the right nomenclature here. You better. <laughs> People will murder you. They'll murder you and your animals. I don't have any animals, but so they'll swat you then. <laughs> It's not funny, Edmund. Sorry, sorry. People it's a serious died. issue. People have died, dude. It's not, I know. Yeah, it's I, really yeah. not funny. I'm sorry. You're a monster. Sorry. Now you're gonna. Now you're gonna get flamed. I apologize, internets. Too little, too late, my yeah. friend. Yeah. Turn-based strategy games are kind of. I was about to say a dime a dozen, which is not fair. But I feel like if you're playing one, like just stick with the one that you're playing with. You know, like whatever one is the one that is like for you. What's the difference really between bouncing between them? That is. I, I think it's hard though because. Do you, how many games do you play at one at a, at a time? This is, God, ooh, this is a completely different topic. Man, that's a great question. I like to start and then finish the game whenever I start one, but I don't do that. That's what I try to do. Okay. I'd say at most, unless you count a game like Tetris as a game, because I've been playing Tetris 99 a lot. Uh, if you count that, then maybe three is the most I'll ever do. But mostly, I try to keep it to two, and almost always, I only want to do one game at a time. Okay, that's Because I like story-driven games, and I can't have that much in my head at the same time. That's interesting because I like even when we're talking about blasphemous, thinking about blasphemous. I'm wondering if blasphemous is going to, if I'm going to bounce off of it because it's coming out so close to Bloodstained, and Bloodstained is like a similar. Mm -hmm. uh, I think 
Blasphemous is a little bit more pixel artsy. It is a little bit more in that vein. It sounds like from the interview, that's yeah, I mean, how they designed the gameplay. The whole thing is pixel art. It's such a retro like throwback with Blasphemous, <laughs> and I, I think that extends the gameplay as well. And I, it, they it definitely nailed that pixel art look in Blasphemous for sure. But I'm just wondering if Bloodstain and these like there's we're getting a lot of Castlevania type games <clears throat> where it's a 2D platformer with a challenge action platformer with a challenge you can dodge you got yeah. these different hardcore type elements in a very gothic type setting yes it's, it's so the setting to me is what is more than the actual gameplay there are a lot of metroidvania games recently and my favorite one of all time is obviously the yoku's island express which is a masterpiece there which i go. will work into every podcast for the rest of forever there you go you do it every time but i really think the uh, the vania part of it that keeps coming up is that gothic which is kind of being implemented in a lot of different games. The metal part of the aesthetic that these games are going for. Yeah, uh, and I think that's... It's interesting to see us going because everything's kind of everything else has been kind of played out, right? So we've had the bright, colorful, owl boys, terrarias, all those indies where, you know, there's a lot of colors and yeah. everything is green... It seems like why not give us all the uh, more of a dark, gothic, demonic type look? I want to see more game space in hell. <laughs> just I'm as serious. A general I just rule. as like a because the uh, one of the most interesting parts of this interview that you had, and I don't want to spoil uh-huh. it for anyone, is when he talks about taking someone's imagination and you know creating that in your game world. <laughs> right. So he he talks about it step by step in the interview. So go ahead and <clears throat> listen to it after after we talk whatever we talk about so <laughs> um, because we have to put ourselves in here no, matter no you're what. selling it really well but it's, it's i want to see what i want to see some deep dark thoughts put into a video game and i want to play through someone's psychosis that sounds messed up but i want to play through well, someone's like i want to play through that man yeah we got senua's sacrifice or hellblade mm-hmm. senua's sacrifice whatever the actual full title is there's so many long long titles that dealt with that type of stuff we had um we have a new game coming out that's set in hell that's actually a uh, comedy it's called after party and it's uh janina gavin stars in it and i can't remember the other actor who's in it uh or the studio i have a computer in front of me I nice school uh, nice school studio thank you exactly uh who are based in los angeles in fact huh. uh after party is a game where you're in hell and the way you can escape is by drinking out drinking satan in a drinking competition which I love is that. one of the greatest uh premises for a game i've been waiting for this game ever. for a long time yes yeah that's yes. literally what i've been training for my whole life it's just so when i go to hell inevitably i can out drink satan mm, do it i dare i you. feel like he's a lightweight he probably is. Yeah. It's probably why he's so angry, right? Or is Satan angry? I don't know. Play Blasphemous. I don't know the guy. <laughs> I don't know. Play Blasphemous and find out. There's Satan. Find out all about Bleeding it. Bleeding babies. Bleeding babies and Satan link up real quick, right? I'm with you on the hell thing, though, man. We've had a lot of games that have dealt with uh, depression recently or, like, anxiety, um, especially in the indie game space. But, I mean, let's go full tilt into just super depressing hell. One of my favorite just settings in general was Inferno from, you know, and Dante's Inferno with the seven levels of purgatory. I want that. I wish that game was fun to play. Why do you keep bringing up this game? You've done this multiple times. Because it's that like game... knock off. It was a literal ripoff of God of War. It was a literal ripoff of God of War, and I didn't like God of War games. That's why I did not like playing through that game. But if I had an opportunity <clears throat> to play through those nine circles of hell, I think that vividly that was... Something that stuck with me. Seven level or seven levels of purgatory, nine levels, how, whatever it is. I, I didn't want to correct you, but no, you got. There you go. Um, so I don't. Know, I just. I kind of. I kind of. I want to see more things like that. 
I want to see more things that have taken from ancient literature put into video games. I'm glad That's you brought that up. We've gotten into, uh, we start on a topic and then we get to whatever the hell this topic is. I have always wanted the Odyssey to be mm-hmm. a video game because I think it'd be freaking awesome. I also love Ancient Greece, which is probably why I liked God of War so much. Mm-hmm. But mm. that would be an amazing game. There's so many, like, yeah, let's talk about folklore because that's what Blasphemous is based off of. Exactly. It's based off of Spanish folklore. And he talks about, you know, Japanese folklore is rife for video game adaptation. Uh, we need more folklore in general. There's tons of awesome folklore, like from across the world, that could be adapted to video games. And it can be educational because I've only, you know, most of, the, of us that grew up in this educational system, we learn about Roman and Greek mythology. Uh, God of War, actually, I, I love mythology. And I don't know what it's going to do for my education, but I'm, it's getting me to read. So, But I went and I looked at a lot of Norse mythology, and that stuff was really interesting. You told me – I read – you sent me this interview early. I listened to it around like 3 o'clock, came home. All I wanted to look up was Spanish folklore because I wanted to connect the dots of what I saw in this video game to what the actual literature was. Yeah. And I wanted to see how close they represented that because that is what is interesting to me. you got to look up the, the more you know sound effect. That little star going across the screen. Love it. Because you're learning stuff on our podcast. You are, yeah. You know, learning stuff. Look, what I'm saying is, is folklore. I love folklore in general. I've always been into like myths and all that stuff because I was super cool. Yeah, was younger. Yeah, Um, a lot of friends. But every culture has folklore. And what's cool about indie studios is, is that anyone can make games now. And so you have little places like uh, the, the Game Kitchen in southern Spain who's like, what should we make a game about? How about our own culture's folklore? You know, why not do that? And like they, like uh, Enrique says, nobody's ever done that before. Yeah. You know, they were the first ones to do it. They're and tapping in. That, yeah, there's tons of places like that. Yeah, and I think they're tapping into a great market because I think a lot of people are going to – play this game i've seen some people on twitter already hyping this up and it it last night when i was you know we were i was prepping to release this a lot of people were talking not a lot but a good amount of people were talking about blasphemous which is more than i see for most indie titles so and people are hyped about this game because of the artist style because uh, i don't know think they know about the folklore but they will after they listen to this interview but i think that is tabless tap into your culture Tap into the stories your grandmothers used to tell you, your grandfather used to tell you. Like tap into this that stuff, and like you said, anybody can make a game. There is a w- world full of stories that we can see adapted into video games. So we're just not seeing a whole bunch of superhero video games. <laughs> we're not seeing a whole bunch of you know over the back Gears of War type shooters. We're not seeing a whole bunch of obscure type walking simulators from no i'm just kidding so that you know we have a whole world so many pot shots. <laughs> yeah i took three right there yeah, there's nice. so many th- so many things that we can open up to the world of you know and so many people play video games you you can really educate people about everything yeah absolutely uh i'll also say just for indie games uh and this is a bit of a divergence of what we've been talking about but it's such a crowded landscape now because anyone can make games yeah having something that like with this awesome pixel art style that's in blasphemous or um something like a return of the Obra Dinn, which was so minimalist. Uh, I think they, what did they call it? A, um, like a monochrome game or something like that. It was like a no-bit game, I think is what they said, or two-bit. Um, it sticks out, and you kind of have to stick out because there's so many indie games, and so many of them, but let's be honest, I mean, a lot of them are beautiful. A lot of them have an absolutely gorgeous pixel art. Well, you have to have an art style because you're competing against just the graphical powerhouses of these AAA, because like we talk about it on the podcast all the time, Games just don't look bad anymore unless you're just cause four. So, <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so you just games don't look bad and they don't p- play that bad anymore. So 
if you're going against these God of Wars and these Red Dead Redemptions and these... Yoku's Island Express. Yeah, Yoku's Island <laughs> Express had a wonderful look to it. It did have a wonderful look to it. And these, even Mortal Kombat, like these technically powerful games, you have to have a unique art style to attract gamers. You just have to. Right. I mean, let's boil it down to like what you're actually doing. And the streaming services have to do this too. I'm looking at a poster basically and like a line of other posters because most people are buying their games digitally. They're not going to a store and picking them up. Uh, and even if they were, I guess it'd be the same thing. You look at the cover art of yeah. whatever this thing is. So you have to catch people, boom, like that immediately. The cover art and you have to have a few good screens from your game to show because the right. way stores are set up in the Nintendo shop, the way stores are set up in Steam... You have the cover art, like you said, so you have to have good cover art, and then you have a couple of screens from the actual game, and that is how you sell games now. Yeah, and I say that having sold zero games in my entire life, and so me clearly too. I and would know what I was talking having about. Having no experience in marketing. It's not going to stop me from talking to the podcast, I can though. say whatever I want. I don't get paid. <laughs> I'm joined by Enrique Colonette, who is a designer at the Game Kitchen, whose new game, Blasphemous, is out now. Uh, Enrique, thank you very much for joining me. Um, to start off, this game has a very unique look to it. Uh, I'm wondering what the inspiration was behind the design of this game. Yeah, well, uh, we uh, we had this uh, question like three years ago, like, okay, what, how, how a game based on the Spanish folklore will look to the eyes of, you know, foreigners, like people from outside of Spain, because we have seen, seen this a lot for, for example, Japanese games or Chinese games or games made in, 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 in Sweden or Norway with a, you know, with a Viking uh, style. So we were thinking how a game based in our folklore will work in, in a video game. Because that's something that nobody made before. So we tried this weird experiment, and apparently it worked. <laughs> <laughs> the, the game looks beautiful. Um, what makes Spanish folklore unique? What's unique about Spanish folklore as opposed to, like you said, Norse folklore we've seen. We've seen a lot of Japanese folklore. What sets yes. Spanish folklore apart? Well, it's unique because uh, nobody used it before. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's good, to, good to know that nobody, I mean, no, no other company made a game based on our folklore and it was a Spanish studio the first one to, to do it so um, it's unique in, in that sense I mean we're using a lot of uh, iconography architecture even mm -hmm. the music is based on you know flamenco for example uh, we are a, a little studio a small studio set on the south of Spain and we are deeply influenced by you know by these things like for example flamenco or uh, we have these uh, parades and, and religious traditions that are really important in this area and all of that influenced us, uh, I mean, since we were a child. So um, it's something that we couldn't just pretend that it didn't exist when we were making this game. Like, it, it was pretty easy to be influenced by all of this. Uh, so if for a Spanish audience, uh, the local audience that you're releasing this to, this will be very familiar, uh, lots of themes yes. that they grew up. Okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it will be pretty weird for them to play this because uh, these uh, all, all all these elements that we have been using are related to mostly to old arts, you know, to to portraits, to music, to to poetry, and seeing all of that turn into a video game, it just 
I guess it's weird. <laughs> <laughs> but cool. Very cool. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, this game also, it's a bit like, um, I'm, not trying to, I'm not trying to pigeonhole your game. I'm just saying it is a little bit um, like a Dark Souls or like a Castlevania. It, has, um, mm-hmm. it evokes those types of themes. Uh, looking at other games that have already been made, were there any of those things that you looked at for inspiration for uh, Blasphemous? Yeah, of course. Uh, on one side, we had this uh, this inspiration um, from our local, you know, influences. Mm-hmm. But then, of course, if we talk about what influenced us uh, in, in video games, uh, then of course we had to look at all the projects, uh, all the games that were made uh, in other countries, especially Japan. So uh, yes, we are deeply influenced by uh, Metroidvania games. I mean, mm-hmm. Castlevania is, is actually one of our main source of inspirations, and uh, also Dark Souls in the way we tell the story and how the narrative is, uh, you know, is, is portrayed and how it's told to the players. Uh, so uh, there were not that many influences here in Spain because video games is, uh, you know, it's, it's not a strong industry here. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, we were deeply influenced by, by these games. But we are not following the Metroidvania formula exactly. It's a, it's a, it's, it's a good mixture between a Metroidvania game and, and Dark Souls, mm-hmm. I would say. I mean, that was, uh, that was our intention. Gotcha, to kind of meld those two styles together. Yes, gotcha. yes. Uh, you mentioned the narrative. What's cool about this game is that everything that you, all the collectibles, everything in the game, it seems to be dripping with the lore of the, uh, mm. I guess the folklore that you mentioned earlier. So the yeah. way it unfolds its narrative is a little bit non-linear. There's a lot more than just the main story that you kind of funnel through. There's a lot of uh, a universe that you're building around it. Yeah, I mean, in that sense, we are following the, the Dark Souls style, which is that uh, you can start Dark Souls and play the whole thing and play for 50 hours, not knowing what's what's going on. <laughs> I finished the game, I had a pretty good experience. But um, but if you want to get into this, uh, this uh, narrative layer, there are tons of elements in environments, characters, conversations that will, that will you know, uh, get you into the... The story, and, and you will see that it's actually a pretty interesting story. It's just that you are not required to learn all this information to, you know, to to know what's going on. Mm-hmm. So we were kind of like following the same formula, like, okay, if you want to know what happened in Custodia uh, before the, you know, the, 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 uh, the adventure, uh, then you can just uh, take a look on every, every single item in the game will tell you something about the background story of Custodia and some of the characters. We, we thought that that was a pretty interesting approach. Mm-hmm. It seems rare, too, for an indie game to have um, you know, that deep of uh, a world-building in it. Uh, generally, uh, games like this, I think we think of them as a shorter experience, but this kind of lends itself to replayability and kind of really diving deeper than it might seem on the surface. Yeah, actually, we were uh, pretty interested on having this, uh, you know, community trying to build together this story that that happened uh, in the game before the game started. So we want to see what are the theories. We want to see how how people react to this uh, weird world that we built. <laughs> uh, what do you see as the the future of this game? Do you think this is a game that's going to have a you know a community built around it and sort of do you have plans oh. for releasing more content for it going forward? Yeah, yeah. From one side, yeah, I hope the community builds like a uh, it turns into a big thing in the mm-hmm. future. But yeah, for sure. I mean, we, we're going to be supporting that. Uh, we want to. 
I mean, there, there were some things that we promised in the Kickstarter that weren't possible to, to you know, to, to release at, uh, at launch date. So we have some stuff that uh, are left to do. And we really want to start working on those things because, you know, at some point in production you had to say, okay, stop, we cannot deliver all these things and we will leave all these other things for the future. Mm -hmm. And so um, most of them are going to be released as, uh, as free content, as free and level content. And, and yes, I mean, we have, we have big plans for Blasphemous. And apparently, uh, based on the reaction that the community had, it's going to be an awesome experience doing that. <laughs> <laughs> it's always nice to have uh, when you release something, you know, <laughs> that type yes, of reaction yeah, yeah. to it. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the gameplay itself. Um, when we talk about games like Dark Souls or even, a, you know, a Castlevania to an extent, those are those older games, uh, there's a difficulty curve to those games that's pretty steep. Uh, Blasphemous yep. is not a super easy game. Um, did you guys approach it trying to make a, a difficult game, something that's going to be um, a bit of a challenge for players? Yeah, the thing is that uh, in Blasphemous you don't have a, a, a difficulty, difficulty setting, so you cannot choose if you want to play it easier or harder. That depends on the, you know, the time that you invest on the game. So if you if, if you enter an area that is actually pretty hard and it's it's uh, you you find that that's a great challenge, you always have the option to backtrack and just try to you know find some items or upgrades that will help you in order to to complete this challenge this this new area that is uh, pretty challenging. So it's uh, and maybe it's it's not the correct way to say, but it's an adaptive uh, difficulty. Because, you know, if, if you are struggling in one area, you always have options to, to make it easier in the future. It's just that you have to spend some time. But that's basically what you do in games like Castlevania or Dark Souls. Mm -hmm. You can just, you know, buff your character by spending some time doing other things. In this case, in Blasphemous, you're just required to explore, explore further the, the map and find something that will help you in order to complete this new area. Uh, there's a lot of pretty crazy boss fights in this game as well, and <laughs> uh, the design the design of the bosses is fantastic. Some of them are, I mean, the design of the whole game it's just it's so gothic and so I don't know it's it's very engaging just to look at. Uh, were all these bosses pulled directly from the folklore? Did you guys kind of have some room to play and create your own type of creatures and monsters and things? Yeah, well, that's actually, uh, I mean, I'm not the, the one coming up with these crazy ideas. That was uh, our creative director, Enrique Cabeza, and uh, he's the one having these nightmarish designs, and it's, it's just funny. It was funny during uh, uh, some, some time that he was coming with, uh, with a crazy idea, and I was always asking him, like, okay, did you have another nightmare or what? <laughs> what was his answer? Yeah, well, yeah apparently, yes. Yeah, so... Uh, he's a pretty shy guy, and he's not uh, the, the type of person that will, you know, be in, in lots of interviews. But he, he's he's just amazing coming up with uh, with these crazy ideas. He's a super talented guy, but you know, he's an artist, so he's shy. And um, and yeah, I mean, most of these ideas were. Uh, it, it was even surprising for the team, like. We weren't expecting most of these designs. He came up with this crazy idea, and we had to come up with a design for that for that idea. <laughs> and in the end, it kind of worked. But you know, one day he will come with, "Okay, uh, I have an idea for a boss. It's a, it's a baby <laughs> hanging from the hands of a, of a thimble uh, statue or something." It's like, okay, 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 can you repeat that? Is that a really basic <laughs> boss design that you see all the time? <laughs> It's a pretty interesting job then to have to, you know, pull somebody's uh, imagination into reality. It was a challenge, but it was super fun. Yeah.
Uh, all right. Now that the game is, by the time this posts, the game will have launched. Uh, now that the game is out there and people have their chance to play through it, uh, what are you most excited about people uh, experiencing from Blasphemous? What do you want them? What do you What are you most excited to see somebody play through or see in the game? Well, I'm pretty interested on, on, I mean, I'm level designer, so I want to see in how many ways people can break my game. <laughs> That's one thing. The other thing I want to see, and related to that, uh, I want to see how fast they can manage to, to finish the game, because mm -hmm. speedrunning is not something that we, I, I've, you know, I never thought on speedrunning, so I want to see how fast you can, you know, you can go to complete the game. That's that's something I I... I don't know. I don't know what to expect, actually. Uh, and besides, I just want to see how how the community will engage and and how much content they will create based mm -hmm. on you know on, on what we have created. I I would be in love to see more people like uh, creating fan arts. I see some people creating cosplays that look awesome. I mean, I, I was never expecting to see someone dressed as the penitent one, and it's just amazing what people can do. So, I don't know. I, I'm just ready for everything. You know, the Penitent one is a hard cosplay to do, I'd imagine. Just walking through a doorway with that on your head would not be easy. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's funny that you bring up speedrunning because uh, I enjoy speedrunning just as a fan, but I'm interested from gameplay design. Is that something that you think about when you're making a game? Do you think about, like, oh, do I optimize certain things so a speedrunner will be able to do it? Do I put in certain things that speedrunners will be able to take advantage of? Or do you just make the game the way you make it? That's funny because actually at some point I was I was really concerned about speedrunners. Like, okay, I made a game that is super slow for speedrunners, mm -hmm. and and you know I want to see some people playing in this uh, this event. Uh, awesome games done quick. Yes, I think yeah. it's called. And I want to see Blasphemous in there, but uh, I wasn't sure if my level design supported that kind of speedrunning. But then I've seen some people speedrunning the demo and finish it in in, in 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 five minutes, and I was like, okay, maybe. Maybe maybe it's possible. Maybe people can do it <laughs> yeah. because they they found ways to improve the time and to be more optimal when 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 killing enemies or, or, or killing bosses. And I was like, okay, maybe maybe I shouldn't be that concerned. <laughs> yeah, never underestimate speedrunners. Apparently, they can do yes. anything. <laughs> exactly. I, I've seen I've seen the Sekiro speedrun and, and <laughs> yeah, that's yes. that's mind blowing. Uh, all right, Enrique, last question because it's yes. a bit of a it's a crowded indie space now. There used to be so many indie games. I mean, there used to be not be so many indie games. Now there's tons of them. What sets yep. Blasphemous apart from other indie games that are on the market right now? Well, I think that we have tried something uh, from the very beginning. Uh, we wanted to be pretty purist about the pixel art style. I mean, that at some point that came as a real problem because since we were limited to the pixel art style and, and limited by the size of the screen, limited by the graphics because we were not trying to use any fancy shaders or, or uh, you know, uh, helping ourselves with some uh, 3D elements, for example, to make something easier. It just, we, we found out that we were... Uh, like um, stepping into limitations that game had like 25 years ago, mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and, and still we managed to to do it. And you know the game is it's just pixel art. Everything is pixel art. There's mm -hmm. nothing that is not pixel art. We don't use any particles. So no, everything is pixel art. Wow. So I think people really love that fact that the game looks exactly like a game that could have been released like 
20 years ago, like a really good looking game mm-hmm. from 20 years ago, like, I don't know, Neo Geo or, or maybe the, the, the last year, the Super NES. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it is a beautiful game, and you guys did a fantastic job. It's, all, it's amazing to me that this is all pixel art, because it really is a, a beautiful, beautiful game. Uh, Enrique, I really appreciate your time, and thank you. Uh, if uh, anyone hasn't already picked up Blasphemous, please do. It's a really awesome game. Thank you. Thank you very much. Of course. Thanks again. I appreciate it. Thanks again to Enrique and everyone at the uh, the Game Kitchen for A, making Blasphemous because it's Q, and then B, for joining our podcast because that's a cute thing to do too. Yeah, thank you. We really appreciate that. You guys rock. Yeah, and we're going to play your game Yeah, and talk about it on next week's podcast. Speaking of, uh, there's a lot of stuff that's coming out this week, so instead of playing what are you playing? Let's play what do you plan to play this week and this weekend because we have Borderlands 3 launching on Friday, among other games, but that's kind of the marquee title that's coming out. So, Evan, what are your plans for the weekend? I Well, even though it's getting lukewarm reviews, I plan on picking up Borderlands 3. So are they lukewarm? A lot of them are saying it's good. It's, it's just, just more, of, more of the same. So, But it, it's weird kind of reading these reviews about Borderlands 3 and these reviewers don't seem enthusiastic, whereas Marvel Universe came out and it seems like reviews toward that game were very mm-hmm. warm, and that game was just like a copy replica of the last two without yep. doing anything different. So it was inter- and I love Marvel Universe. So don't, don't attack me because that's one of my top ten games. Of the no, year we're already so getting flamed for all the stuff so, we said earlier. Exactly. Well, you are not me. So yeah, I want to check out with me. Borderlands Three. I'm probably going to put an extensive amount of time into that. There's so many guns to play with. I'm interested to see those four characters. I, I'm in- I don't know if I'm going to purchase it. I might wait a little bit. Greedfall looks re- kind of good. And I've been hearing pretty good things about Greedfall. Have you heard anything about Greedfall? I've heard zero things about Greedfall. It is a new action RPG that's coming from Spiders, the developer who also did the Technomancer and Bound by Flame, which are those Souls-like games. I do know what those are, yes. Don't think they were received very well, but I think they have like very niche audiences. Greedfall, I heard, is set up very Mass Effect-like. Where you have different companions, where you have to make decisions to get their uh, loyalty up. You the have ending dis- will disappoint everyone. <laughs> now, look at you! Now you're turning into me. Um, yeah, I know. But yeah, multiple off. endings. It sounds like decisions will really affect your ending. That is what they're selling. Let's see if they execute it. So I'm interested to see what reviews around this game are going to be. And then uh, I think that's it. I haven't picked up NBA 2K20. It's September. <clears throat> this end of September has been kind of kind of hot. Are you hot. an NBA 2K guy? Is that like when it goes thing? on sale? I, really? I, okay. I'm. We could have a whole podcast about NBA 2K because that's one of my favorite game series because it's one of those marquee sports games out. But the way they set that game up around virtual currency is the most disgusting. Oh, I know it's practice madness. in video games ever, and no one complains about it. You All have right. like it's just oh, it enrages me. All right, we will talk about this next week yeah. because that is something that I know quite a bit about and I'm very upset about it as well. Uh, well, interesting. What are you playing? I, I don't are play you, the game. Do you plan on playing anything? Because I- Yes! So, I got an Xbox One X um, recently. Ew. Yeah. You got one? Uh, yeah, it's... You gotta add me. It was... Oh, are you on Xbox? Do you play it? I've, I've, I have Game Pass, so I've been meaning I, to get in the Gears. 
Uh, so I hadn't played my Xbox in two years. No exaggeration. Literally hadn't even turned it on. Uh, then I got this Xbox One X, and I had Gears, and I got Games Pass. So I went on Games Pass, which is pretty cool. Uh, it has a lot of games on it. It's pretty shocking, actually, how many games you can get on Games Pass. So kudos to you, Xbox. And I downloaded just a slew of games because I got a terabyte of storage on my Xbox One X, and then I also got uh, a little plug-in where I have two extra terabytes of storage. So oh, I look downloaded at you, nerd. A crazy amount of games. Um, so anyway, what I'm looking forward to doing is playing a little bit more Gears 5 because I played it co-op with one of my friends locally. Uh, and it was fun. It was just Gears again. Um, but whatever, I want to play a little bit farther into it. Uh, I'm going to play Sea of Thieves, which I've missed. Oh, out. let's get on some Sea of Thieves. All right. So Let me know when you get on. on. Yeah. A little bit of DKC on the uh, the high seas. Yeah. I Let's let's go. Donkey Kong Artist on the sea. Let's go. What is, DCA. DCA. Yeah. <laughs> no acronyms. Golly. <laughs> it's been a long day. We've only right. been doing this for two years now. Come on. Yeah, but we changed the name, so in my defense. I'm also really dumb. Yeah. So well, that. Me too. The other game I'm going to play, I say this like I'm actually going to be able to play any of these games yeah, right. for You're any married. significant period of time. I want to play the Dark Pictures Man of a Dan. Uh, even Ooh. though it hasn't gotten great reviews, I think it looks interesting enough that I want to pick it up. And I just, I'm in that horror mood, man, because it's September. We're rolling into October. That game is in my, uh, my uh, what you call it, my shopping cart. I just not, have, have not uh, made the purchase. So Well, click that purchase button. Right? I, man, <clears throat> have you seen next week? Do you know what comes out next week? <laughs> yeah, like, well, barricade yourself in a room. Dom- Damon vs. Machina. We have... What was that? Damon vs. Machina. Damon vs. Machina. I'm, I'm blackening it up. Damon vs. Machina. Because <laughs> my character is going to be black, so he's going to be named Damon. Sure, he's going to be not? going against all the Machinas in the areas. So we're not smart. Riley um, Machinas. Yeah, all the Machinas that are trying to gentrify his country. So oh yeah, my God, uh, that needs to be the plot of a game. That'd be amazing. <laughs> uh, then we have Zelda: Link's Awakening. Yes. Which, oh my God. Which I'm surprised you haven't been like <clears throat> going crazier about. So yeah, well yeah. maybe I don't know. I can't talk about. It. Uh, uh, I'm excited uh, about that uh, game too. And Goose Game. Yes, obviously, Untitled Goose Game, yes. which will be Game of the Year. Whatever year it's released in. Far. Just in perpetuity for the rest of forever, it's Game of the Year, Untitled Goose Game. What is going to be that game? Nothing. I love that they didn't even come up with a name for it. Anyway, that's all the time we have. It's a little bit of a truncated podcast this week because we had a guest and because we're recording a little bit earlier. And not a lot of happened this week because it's only Monday when we're recording this, mm-hmm. even though you'll probably be listening on Tuesday. There's probably be a whole bunch of news to talk about tomorrow. Far future. Right now. I know. Yeah, of course right there will be. Yeah. Anyway, I want to thank each and every single one of you for listening, especially you, Kyle. You know who you are. Good old Kyle. Ah, uh, Kyle. I hope there's a Kyle who's listening. Yeah. Like, what? No. <laughs> anyway, we love you guys. Thank you very much for listening. You can find us online on the Twitters, on the YouTubes, on uh, all the uh, social media platforms, pretty much anywhere that anyone would be online. On the SoundClouds, like all the kids listen to, we're hip, yeah. yeah. We're hip. We're on mixtape. Yeah, board up your windows, Kyle. That's <laughs> <laughs> so ominous. Oh, my God. Blasphemous. Thank you so much, everybody, and thank you again to uh, uh, the Game Kitchen and the team from Blasphemous for joining us. We love you guys. Love you. Thank you. Play Blasphemous. Oh, it looks so scary. Oh, my God. Bleeding babies. Uh, 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 higher. Oh, my God.